Hi, and welcome back to the Convergently Speaking podcast. Today, what I'm going to be talking about is the topic of relationships, or more accurately, a bit about my own relationship. really excited today to introduce you to my wife, uh, Caitlin, who is here on the other mic. Hello. And so looking at the topic of relationships, what we wanted to do is reflect a little bit on our own relationship because coming up this March, we'll have been married for 10 years. And I think I can speak for the both of us when I say we've been a little bit reflective coming up to this milestone. And so, yeah, we wanted to explore and share a few of the things that we've found useful and have given us some perspective uh, along the way. So personality psychology tools have been really helpful for us for our relationship. Some years back now, what we suppose, what was a really big light bulb moment for us around the way we relate and helped us to understand each other and have grace for each other in a way we hadn't was understanding that within the Myers-Briggs personality system we learned that the one difference that we have is actually considered the most significant difference that two people can have. In the system I'm an N which stands for intuitive and Caitlin is a sensor. And intuitives tend to like the more abstract, more ethereal, less grounded ideas and things of life. In short, we're less present and embodied. Uh, whereas sensors like the the tangible, the the provable, the the sensory information and data the the more verifiable through one's senses so as you can imagine having a person in a marriage who is a sensor when another one is an intuitive is quite a substantial difference now to put this in context i wouldn't say it created a whole heap of issues or conflicts per se but there was just a there was a substantial gap in our knowledge of how the other one was interacting with and understanding the world. So I found it really interesting to hear Caitlin's lived experience of this and how she's found understanding this difference helpful. So I want to pass it over to you, Caitlin, just to tell us a bit about what learning that you're a sensor and that I'm an intuitive has meant for you yeah I think that the first point where it really became clear or the I guess the example I sort of always think about is when we had our first child which is now about six and a half years ago for me a lot of the day-to-day details and and processes and routines that we needed to do with a baby came quite naturally and that was also because I am the oldest of five children, so I'd sort of been through baby stages before, you hadn't. But 
it came quite naturally to me to notice how the nap routine was going, knowing how the feeding was going, and I would be quite baffled sometimes when I'd reference something that I figured we both knew, like, oh, she's probably tired because it's this time, and you would really have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so understanding that you weren't taking in that kind of information, uh, and then if I needed your help with something, I needed to be more overt about it was quite helpful and I could accept that about you or learn to start to accept that about you. Can I ask how was it for you learning that you're a sensor and how did that play out? That played out in a way that you started to understand what I was missing but did it show you like a skill or a gift or help you understand yourself better at all? Yeah well I suppose a lot of those things are sort of things that I would take for granted about, you know, oh, this is just things that everybody notices or things that this is how the how I see the world and would sort of presume that most people saw the world that way. And so I guess having you as a as an example of the other side of things uh, was helpful to then, I guess, understand my strengths in that area. And, and realize in those areas I need to take the lead for our family, which has been helpful. So you, you had a concrete experience of a person that doesn't live in a very concrete world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is that how? <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of framing it. Yeah, being concrete versus not concrete has been a big part of that understanding, actually. Do you want to under- explain what that means? Yeah, I suppose we should because we get what we're talking about, but others might not. Essentially, what I realized was that Caitlin had a gift in being the oldest child. I don't have any siblings, so she had a lived experience there, but also almost like a little step-up advantage in terms of managing the practical aspects that come with having little kids. Because she exists in a concrete world in a way that that I don't. And what I mean by that is she is, her brain has decided that it wants to prioritize taking in and understanding and processing sensory data. And for whatever reason, I prioritize more intangible data. So, you know, Caitlin might remember some, well, Caitlin will often remember someone's name and probably what they are wearing and their hair colour. Whereas for me, I'll, I'll struggle to remember their name, but I will remember the life story that they just happened to um, open up and tell me or or what was happening in their life and their world and, and their passions and all that. I'll, I'll remember all that. Less concrete, more conceptual or... I don't want to say relational data. I mean, it is relational data, but Caitlin also remembers that that too yeah for you dan it's easier to see the big picture because of your intuition versus sensing kind of you see the big picture and the whole system and you're more able to see how the positives and negatives and our strengths and weaknesses play off against each other and support the whole family system i guess but for me it's been more of a conscious decision i've had to work at really noting and appreciating your strengths and what you're bringing to the relationship and to the family and 
part of why that's been been some work to get there is because what I do in our family is is more the practical things, uh, the day-to-day running of the house and doing things with the kids. And so it would be on paper. I could list all the things that I've done in the day and see, see, I did all this. But it's harder sometimes to see what you're doing behind the scenes. Um, and a lot of that... Because a lot of what I'm doing is invisible. I think that's what you're getting at, yeah? Yep, definitely. Yeah, a lot of what your strengths are and what you're doing for our family, which thinking about it is completely invaluable and is a big reason why we all stay afloat and stay together, is you do a lot of the emotional labor. I think we both do that probably well. Um, and yeah. so we're lucky in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you definitely do that. And I can appreciate that, especially I can talk to other people and sometimes that's not the strength of the husband and that can be fall more on the wife or the, the female in the relationship. So I do definitely appreciate that. You do so much personal development and are very good at that. But even more so, you're good at sharing your learning and bringing me along with you. I think if I was left to my own devices, I would think it's a good idea, but I wouldn't be as uh, proactive to to seek out healing and learning and things for my personal development. So I credit a lot of a lot of my growth and my learning to you dragging me along with you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then I've been able to kind of go in different directions that make more sense for me that aren't things that you are into but you really keep the momentum going and help me keep that too. Mm. Yeah, I think that's been a big learning for me in this relationship because I've I've always naturally been a, a bit of a salesperson in the sense that whatever I'm into, I get enthusiastic about and want to bring people along with me. I suppose in a sense, I'm enthusiastic about growth in general, but I've learned... And I haven't always got it right, but I've learned that you need to do it in your way. So I can be excited and enthusiastic and sort of still selling (laughs) the value of personal development whilst also realizing not only are you a female and I'm a man, I'm a dad, you're a mum. So there's that difference. There's also pretty fundamental personality differences and even cultural differences and just your whole lived experience, your whole family of origin, all that is so different that you need to do it in the way that you do it. It's been exciting to see you do that and it's been gratifying to observe myself being less overly invested in that process. And in the past, I've kind of created these codependent rescuer dynamics where I I try and make people do stuff or... You know, always in the best with the best of intentions. But so yeah. So I don't know where I'm going with that. But. <laughs> yeah, and I think there have been times, probably especially early on in our relationship, that I felt quite stuck. And um well and we both felt, you know, you were <laughs> I was sort of a dead weight and um you were doing a lot of growth and you were getting into new thoughts and ideas. And I think within myself I thought this is a path that Dan's taking, it looks good. I should maybe be following along, but it didn't really fit me. It wasn't really 
what I was into. Uh, it was maybe it was more thoughts and ideas, mm. uh, not as much practical stuff. Getting back to what we were talking about before, it wasn't as practical, and so I wasn't connecting with it much, and so I sort of just didn't really do anything. But when I've been able to, some of its crossover of different different topics we're into, we're we're both interested in, uh, and then other other areas that I have been really something that I've done that's been just me. I actually did a breathwork workshop once that was really profound for me. Um, and that was, I mean, I think with your encouragement for sure, but that was something that I found on my own. And I think for me, the more body-based types of experiences really are, are huge for my growth. Um, so once I was able to realize that we could kind of move move forward together but not exactly on the same path and you know following the same things that that that's how we both best grew uh that's been that's really been huge Mm. yeah i suppose a, a key thing for us as well has been bringing each other along yeah i think yeah again you're really good at at that at when you're learning something new or you've found a new podcast to listen to or new people to learn from you are really good at sharing that and sharing the excitement and and giving me the dot points of why it's interesting and kind of teaching me and I kind of get it through osmosis and so I've I've got a lot of learning that way I'm probably not quite as good at that but there might be things to know if they well <laughs> areas areas that I've sort of opened up to you well I think where that's coming from for me is that with my introverted intuition, my part of my Myers-Briggs personality, that's all, that's all about future casting and future forecasting. And what I've learned being married to you is that actually that's a skill and a gift that I have that not everyone has. And I never knew that. I never knew that everyone didn't naturally think through the future implications of what they're doing here and here and now. And so I've I've observed so many couples where one person gets on this beautiful self-development journey and they're dealing with their trauma and they're looking their demons in the eye and finding real growth and healing. And they turn around one day to realize that they and their partner are in totally different places. And they have to make a decision whether they keep going on their journey and sacrifice their relationship or whether they kind of like a rubber band fling back into their old ways of being. A way I tend to think about this and have shared with people from time to time is that when we get into relationships, there's often an unspoken agreement that hey, you don't call me on my baggage and I won't call you on yours. And then when one person goes along and starts working on stuff, they disrupt that semi-functional, maybe mm-hmm. dysfunctional system. And and the other person can easily even become resentful and be like, hey, this is not what I signed up for and this is not what I agreed to. You're not the person. You've changed the rules. You've changed the rules. <laughs> You've changed the rules. And so I've observed this and I, and I never wanted that to happen. Now, luckily, I think that I'm just by nature 
I can't help myself. I share. Mm. I share too much. But now it's now I suppose it's become a value, and I see, I can see things I haven't done right. Uh, but this is one thing that I think we have done right. Mm. Yeah, we definitely have. And I've, as I said early on, there was we weren't as sure how to navigate it. You know, it was maybe maybe we even sort of both thought. I don't know if you early on you sort of oh she's not getting into this author and she should be or I want her to but we've sort of worked out how it looks for each of us and um, I have become more proactive than I was um, I think because I've found out figured out what it looks like for me I mean you've always from the very beginning given me room to really be myself and um, I think even I don't know if you remember early on I think when we were maybe just engaged, maybe even before that, you were doing some future casting and saying, you know, I realize you're very young. I was 22 when we got married and you'll have a lot of change and growth and in those early 20 years and early 20s years. And you sort of said out loud to me, you know, I want to give you give you space to change and grow and I'm going to mm. support you. And um, yeah, well, I still remember that. And that was... <laughs> I remember that too. <laughs> yeah. And... And you definitely have done that. I've felt, you know, maybe I hold myself back sometimes out of fear of what it looks like if I'm going to change or what weird things I might get into. But for the most part, you, yeah, you are very supportive in, in allowing me to change in whatever way that mm. looks like for me. So that's also huge. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you feel that way because I <laughs> don't necessarily, you know, obviously we're more critical of ourself and I and I can feel impulses in myself where I haven't done that and now having kids I'm like got the same thing I want to let them be who they are but I don't necessarily feel well we we want to let them be who they are but yeah sorry you're gonna say something it's hard and there have been times where I guess I maybe sort of had to defend my point or defend why I wanted to go down a path or or explain further you know a way that I was thinking or growing uh which was uncomfortable but that's also that was important growth for me because I'm not good at doing that <laughs> yeah and I love that yeah. you know and that's the thing sometimes people think that or even you would think that I would be critical or or I'm not responding instantly super enthusiastically or whatever and it's not that I have any issue it's that I'm still just holding everything open essentially waiting for more data um, but always open to being convinced but that's not it's not always obvious I wanted to switch tacks a little bit if that's all right to circle back around to how different maps and models and stuff like that has been helpful to us in a really practical way well helpful to me because you've spoken a little bit about mm -hmm. that and and the one thing that comes to mind for me is the revelation that or the understanding that I have almost limitless cognitive energy and at the end of a night I can still be musing about all sorts of maybe irrelevant but seems important and deep and philosophical things to me and you will be your expression of being tired and worn out is really or what it really means is I'm brain dead um, and then on the flip side, you can be up and about in the evening getting things done and I can express that I'm tired or worn out and I'm not referring to my brain, I'm referring to my 
physical body's energy and like yeah i could sit here till midnight talking about psychological philosophical ideas but go and clean the bathroom at nine at night yeah really hard and just it's been really helpful to realize that you as a sensor are more embodied and you you for whatever reason you allocate more of the energy that you get to physical endeavors Mm. whereas i have a huge bias towards allocating energy to my brain um and i'm trying to grow and develop in that area but at a fundamental level i will always do that um more than i will to my physical body and and that's been hard for me personally to accept and to observe what i am contributing it's like i feel like i'm contributing i feel like i'm doing lots of things Uh, And at the same token, I'm very aware of the things I'm not doing because when you have little kids, there's just all these physical, practical tasks that need doing. So understanding where that's coming from has given me grace for myself and understanding that you have specific gifts and understanding what things I have that you don't have. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier today, actually. And I think part of that, maybe more on my end, is also once we sort of understand that uh, the the difference in where we're allocating our energy is trusting the other person too. That if you you know if it comes to the end of the night, I'm not up for a big conversation. Trust you trusting me that I'm not just shutting you out or not prioritizing you or something like that. But I actually cannot <laughs> engage yeah, my brain. Yeah. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it has been, <laughs> and I think yes, um, yeah like you say having kids has you know with each one adds to the adds to the the physical amount of things that need to be done but with the i mean talking about kids now with the future forecasting if your personality is focused more on the future and being able to see how things are going to play out i'm the opposite where i tend to live in the past and also just kind of go with what worked in the past and keep going with what worked in the past when it's not working in the present. And so you are very good at kind of reminding me things with the kids like, oh, this isn't really working anymore or just kind of sticking a spanner in the works for me of helping me think a different way Yeah. and realize, and because I'm in the day to day of it, you're slightly more outside view that you're like oh maybe you know this isn't working anymore let's try this or well i'm good at i'm good at bringing innovation and new ideas Mm. and that's a luxury you get when you're not actually having to quote unquote maintain the status quo Mm. which you're able to do and if you didn't do that i'd have nothing to innovate and it would it would just be a mess yeah um (laughs) yeah yeah so it works well i think yeah so i think what we've really come to realize is that we need to trust that the other one is doing the best. And I think you're the one to first name that. And, and I like that framing of it. Mm. I need to trust that you're doing your best. You need to trust that I'm doing my best. Mm-hmm. And then I can get self-critical again and think, am I really doing my best at every <laughs> moment of every day? And it's like, well, working to that close to your margin, silly anyway, you know, like <laughs> I don't want, you to be doing your best at every moment of every day in terms of like sheer productivity Mm. your best includes resting and like you said today 
you're just going to read at the cafe instead of get some work done. And and I was happy about that. It's like, well, yeah, that's what she needs to do. And that's, that's really important. And I did end up doing the work instead, but <laughs> I'd given myself the permission. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. given myself the permission to rest. And so I think that comes to the other point that I know we wanted to discuss, which is externalizing the blame, blaming mm-hmm. the system. Yeah. And you pointed out the other day that I'm saying quite often at the moment, it is what it is. It is what it is. And and I'm saying that because whilst I think we have a lot of control, there's also a lot of control we don't have. There's all sorts of things that come from left field that's not my fault, that's not your fault, that if I tried hard enough, I could make your fault. But apart from the fact that it's not true, it's not serving anything anyway. And I think we've talked quite regularly about trying to blame the system, trying to blame the circumstances and owning those feelings and emotions, sitting with those things but not not giving in to blaming one another, which is such a quick... So easy to do. And such, yeah, and such a quick way to kill a relationship. Mm. Like, it's it's foolish. You know, you it's this idea of you can... You can win the argument but lose the war. Mm. You know, if I if I find a smart, sophisticated way to blame you, I might win, but I'm cutting off my own foot in the right. process. And it just breeds resentment, which takes so much more energy rather than, I think, along with that is, well, again, accepting each other, accepting the situation and, I guess, working with it. And yeah, not not giving in to resentment because that can, I don't know if everything feels chaotic, it can your brain sort of wants to make sense of it, and then that's your your partner's an easy target, and you can go well this didn't get done. I know why I didn't do it, so obviously they should have done it because they yeah. must have had time or energy or um, I can't see why they couldn't do it. Yeah, we cut ourselves a break because we're intimately involved in all the complexities and nuances of what we've been putting up with and all the places that we've been expending our energy and then it's really easy to not consider all those nuances with the other person i think the cool thing that i've noticed about not taking that easy route is when you blame the other party it's almost like a dead end it's like well if the other person just did dot 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 it would all be good and then we can go off on our self-righteous way. But when we refuse to do that, it actually triggers an opportunity for creative solutions. So if it's not my fault and it's not your fault, then we just need some either extra help, whether that be from a person, whether that be from something that we can actually create through money. For example, we're both tired, so we're going to buy dinner out or we're going to pay for some kind of a service or just lowering our expectations of what we can do yeah yeah and um which sometimes that's what needs to happen Mm. yeah that's true so is there anything else you wanted to bring up or comment about i mean we can have you on again and we can talk about this sort of stuff again no i think i think we covered a lot and covered probably the the high points of what our main 
our main trajectory has been and what our learning has been. That's what I was going to say, actually, earlier. It's like, it's a metaphor that came to me. It's almost like you want to be on the same trajectory, but you're not necessarily going to get there through the same route. Mm. We might be going in the same direction, but I, I might be on a gravel road at one point while you're cruising on some brand new bitumen. And then later on, you know, the paths might change, but we're still heading in the same direction. At least that's how I'm envisaging it. Mm. And it's harder if we're both going through something really hard at the same time too. So, Well, that never happens. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that does sometimes. But if, you know, we can sort of trade off doing the really hard, the really hard learning or growing that that kind of upsets the apple cart if we were both doing that at the same time that would be even harder yeah and sometimes that does happen Mm, i'd say moderate amount of times (laughs) (laughs) well that's from my perspective that's all i really had in mind for this podcast and i think we've covered the few points that that we'd hope to cover Mm -hmm. yeah and they're after 10 years, they're sort of easy dot points to look back on. Yeah. Uh, they were, some of those were definitely hard won and uh, have been, you know, in amongst other hard life circumstances that have really pushed us to grow. But yeah, I'm always so grateful looking back on, you know, the whole, I guess the whole picture and all of the, all of the things that challenging things have brought with them mm. um, and looking at, where we are now is is quite amazing yeah it is i agree thank you (laughs) no worries so yeah that was my first interview for the convergently speaking podcast and i'm really happy that i could have you join as the very first one and um caitlin's been doing the editing which i keep meaning to mention and I don't think I have so thanks for doing that that's you dealing with the (laughs) practical tangible details that would overwhelm me you've been doing a really good job so that's been that's been uh, so helpful and such a gift thanks thanks for tuning in today Uh, you've been listening to the convergently speaking podcast